It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Once again, thank you for listening. You can subscribe to this daily podcast via iTunes or the Android app. We'll spend this bi-week Thursday focused mostly on the offense. Second down will be Eddie Lacy. Third down will be why Coach Mike McCarthy thought the team was better after Sunday's game. And fourth down will be our covered three-game awards. But first, it's first down, and it's the Upside Down, Inside Out Packers. For years, the strength of this team has been Aaron Rodgers in the passing offense, and then a big play passing defense, and how those units worked in concert. Rodgers would give the Packers a lead, and then be up a touchdown or two, and then the other team would feel compelled to either throw the ball to catch up or, or throw the ball because they expected a shootout. Well, then they'd start throwing interceptions, and then Rodgers would turn those into touchdowns, and suddenly there'd be a blowout. Rodgers is number one all-time in pass rating, and under Dom Capers, the Packers are number one in the NFL by a mile in interceptions. Well, it hasn't, hasn't panned out that way. As you know, Rodgers has struggled a bit out of the gate, and the pass defense has been de- <laughs> it's been almost destroyed at times, especially last week against Detroit. But they're doing other things well. They're, they're running the ball well, and they're stopping the run. I mean, we, we talked about the run defense yesterday where they're number one by a wide margin in uh, yards per game, yards per carry, tackles for losses. And through three games, Eddie Lacy is averaging 5.0 yards per carry. As uh, Coach Mike McCarthy said on Monday, the ability to run the football and stop the run was a very high priority. It wasn't just part of the speech that you give every year. We applied more time, energy, emphasis, particularly even in how we called the games in preseason, because teams that run the football well usually defend it very well and vice versa. That component I feel good about after three weeks. Actually, a conversation Aaron and I had in our meeting was this is the first time in my career here that our run game is ahead of our pass game. And that's kind of where we are. I mean, it's an interesting thing, and we'll get into that shortly. Look at look at the Rodgers in the, in the passing attack. He had that four-touchdown first half against Detroit, so suddenly he's gone from number 22 in the NFL in pass rating up to number 9. However, he's still 25th in yards, and that's some of that, you know, the lack of attempts. But 25th in yards, 26th in yards per attempt, and 27th in completion percentage. So through three games... He's an inefficient quarterback, and he shows some signs of breaking out of that funk. But uh, it's hard to believe. I mean, look, he's 26th in yards per attempt. He entered, actually right now still, he's number four all-time in that. So he's going from number four all-time to 26th this year. He's 27th in completion percentage, and he's number six all-time in that. So he's one of the best all-time in those numbers. But he's near the bottom of the pecking order this season. It's, it's hard to believe. Again, he showed some signs of breaking out of that against Detroit with the four touchdowns, some big plays downfield. He looked, for the first time all year, he looked, he looked decisive, he looked accurate. 
you know, here's what McCarthy said after the game. There's nothing revolutionary that we did. We executed better on offense. I, th- I think, think that starts with the quarterback. Now, it's fair to point out that the, that the Lions' pass defense is terrible. They are dead last in the league in opponent pass rating through three games. Well, coming out of the bye, here's what's here's what's up for the Packers. They face the Giants, who are 14th in opponent pass rating, the Cowboys, who are 19th, and the Bears, who are 23rd. Those three games are at home. Then they go to Atlanta, which is 31st in opponent pass rating. Then they host the Colts, which are 25th. So that, in theory, should give Rodgers and, and Nelson and Cobb the ability to build on last, uh, last week's success. Now, here's the interesting thing. and I've always had this theory, especially since the CBA change, and they've, they've gone away with two days, and it's in preseason now is such a, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a nuisance, <laughs> I think, if, for the coaching staff and the, for the frontline players. And I think so much of camp now, because of limited practice, I just don't know if you can... I don't know if there's enough time on the practice field to get your rushing attack and passing attack going, or you know maybe it's run defense or pass defense. I think I think you can get good at one, but it's really hard to get good at two. And then you compound that with the preseason, where look, Riders played two series, Brett Hundley played a quarter, so that means basically three and three quarters games were, were quarterbacked by two undrafted rookies. And, you know, the O-line didn't play a whole lot together. The receivers, you know, Nelson didn't play at all. I just think that, I think that plays a role in this. I, I just think it's it's hard to do both things well. So you come on the gate leaning on one, and, you know, kind of McCarthy said it, they, they've come out trying to have a good running game and good run defense, and then figure that the rest of it will come along, you know, and that being Rodgers would, would figure it out, and you know he's such a great quarterback that he'd get in, get, in, get in the swing of things quickly, and maybe that hasn't quite happened, but I think you expect the Rodgers to get going, and you expect the history of pass defense to show up too. So I, th- I think that's the goal. And um, you know, I, I asked McCarthy about my theory on Monday, and he says, you get what you emphasize, or you get what you tolerate. I'm a positive person. I think you get what you emphasize. Do you emphasize more in the pass? How do you do it? You only have so much time. Everybody has the same amount of time. Everybody has the same practice structure. We're all under, we're all under the same rules and regulations of the league. What you do with that time and how do you apply it? That's why scheduling is so important. To me, scheduling is part of the game plan. How do you schedule and practice your players? So Those are the conversations that I have all the time. We spend a tremendous amount of time on schedules and reps and adjusting you're always trying to tweak things to give that proper attention and time to improve the areas you feel like you need to improve. So we'll see them. They're going to come up. They're going to come out with the buy here. They're going to have a practice on Monday, kind of a fundamentals-based practice, and they'll get going for the Giants. And we'll see if what the Packers are doing so well, running the ball and stopping the run, will continue, and whether this pass defense and passing attack can slowly uh, can slowly get into a groove during this three during the rest of this four-game homestand. On a second down, it's Eddie Lacy in that running game. A strong game against the Lions on Sunday for the big guy. And I mean big guy. <laughs> I don't know how much weight he's lost since last year, but he looks like a different guy athletically. He looks more explosive, more determined. 17 carries for 103 yards against Detroit. That was the first 100-yard game in his career for a September game. Now, I've always thought that a lot of that was based on attempts, and he just hasn't had a lot of September attempts as they try to keep him fresh and for the games that count in November and December and so on. But I want the pro football reference this morning. Um, before Sunday's game, Lacey's career averages per month, 
3.67 yards per carry in September, 4.25 in October, 4.41 in November, and 4.86 in December. So if you're if you're paying attention to those numbers, I'll, I'll quiz you. Actually, I won't quiz you. I'll give you the I'll kind of give you the, the uh, Cliff's notes here. He's gotten better every month, to, from 3.67, 4.25, 4.41, then to 4.68. So I, I think that Lacey's come out of the gate so strong certainly bodes well. As for that 100-yard game on Monday, Lacey said it gives us confidence. I think the offensive line did a great job. The tight ends and receivers did a great job blocking and opening holes. And I was able to take advantage of what they gave me. It just gives us confidence and lets us know that if we have to run the ball, we can definitely do so. I thought the key here with Lacey is what he did by himself. And this is what he focuses on, and this is what offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett mentioned on Monday, too. Of According to my stats, which are obviously not official, but according to my stats, I keep these every game. Of his 103 yards, I had 58 after contact. And a couple of those, I mean, he just moved the pile where he could stop at two yards and he gained six and eight. And some of those, in that, the uh, the noteworthy play there, his last carry of the game that clinched the game, it was uh, second and seven. He ran for nine and seven of those yards came after contact. I mean, that's, that's Lacey's game, I'm telling you. I don't, like I said, I don't know how much slimmer he is over compared to last year, but he is a better football player. Lacey on Monday was asked how he judges his own game, and he said, pad level, how close I get to my offensive line before I make my cut. If I could have broken a tackle here or there. And always ball security because the guys, it's because it's the guys who you don't see that make you fumble most of the time. Just things like that. But yeah, you know, that's key there for what you just mentioned there. Lacey had four fumbles last year. He had four fumbles in his first couple years combined. He has none this year, so I think that's big. And one other thing here on Lacey. The toss plays. People hate the toss plays, and it's become a, a little bit of a joke <laughs> up in the press box. Whenever they run a toss, it's toss the toss, is the fans' viewpoint. Well, in fact, I got an email from a, a friend of mine. Why they run that stupid toss play? To start the second half of Sunday's game, four consecutive tosses to Lacey, he gained 30 yards. So, you know what? So, he's not that bad at that play. And besides that, you know, whether he's good at it or not, it's almost relevant. You can't just run. You just can't hand it off to him up the middle every single play because defenses know it's coming. So even if it doesn't work, you have to toss it out to the perimeter sometimes just to kind of keep the defense honest. So again, a strong start to Lacey. And the best sign of all there is he's off to a better start than he's ever been. And that bodes well for a guy who's always been a very strong finisher. This episode of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview, which is a... 20-story piece all rolled into one, about 6,000 words last week. So we have that and then the post-game numbers piece and some X's and O's stuff every week, stuff that I guarantee that you won't find anywhere else. And give us a try. We always have a one-week free trial at PackerReport.com, and our members get 10% discounts on tickets, 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, and I can't really say what it is, but members have something else really, really cool coming up. And also, please check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network. We have Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy. Heck, the NBA starting, too. We have Locked On NBA and Locked On Bucks. So please, uh, give us a try. And if your company would like to sponsor this podcast, feel free to email me. I have uh, all, the, all the numbers you need. Our listeners have gone up through the roof here over the last week or two, and we have some really reasonable rates. So if you want to talk directly to Packer fans, reach out to me at packwriter 2002 
at yahoo.com. On the third down in the no pain, no gain defense. Against Detroit on Sunday, the Packers gave up 418 yards and 27 points, and they needed the offense to run the clock to help save the game. I asked Mike McCarthy about that after the game, and basically I was trying to make an excuse for him. I said, hey, you know, is it hard to do what you want to do on defense without five, without five of your top players? You remember, Sam Shields, the top corner with a concussion, safety Morgan Burnett with a groin, outside linebacker Clay Matthews' ankle and hamstring, elephant Dayton Jones with a knee, and defensive tackle Latroy Guyne with a knee. Well, McCarthy didn't see it that way. And here's what he said. I'm going to tell you exactly what I told the team last night. This is about who's playing, and injuries are unfortunate. It's part of this business. You never want to see your players go through it. But we knew what the challenge was coming in here. We needed our veteran players to step up, and we needed our younger players to step up. We had a combination of that today. And from that, we're a much better team right now than we were when we woke up this morning. And that's how I feel about it. Look at the snap counts here. And this is why McCarthy's right about this. That they're going to be a better team for what happened on Sunday. Ladarius Gunter, 63 snaps. Kenny Clark, 42. Kyler Fackrell, 37. Blake Martinez, 30. Christian Ringo, 23. Kentrell Bryce, 12. Dean Lowry, 11. Brian Price, 10. Josh Hawkins, 7. That's 233 snaps from that group. Ladarius Gunter, a second-year player, the only guy who played last year of that group, he played eight snaps on defense all of last season. So what? You know, he might as well be a rookie with eight snaps. Christian of the rest of those guys I mentioned, Christian Ringo was on the practice squad last year, didn't play. The others are all rookies with Clark, the first-round pick, Fackrell, the third-rounder, Martinez, a fourth-rounder, Dean Lowry, fourth-rounder. I mean, these are guys who. Probably weren't expected to play a whole lot this year. I mean, other than Martinez. But they're playing a lot. And this is, I mean, McCarthy said this a lot over the years. And this is why he structures his training camps and preseason the way he does. You've got to get young players ready to go. Because you know what? They're going to have to play. And because of the way the NFL is, I mean, you're going to get guys hurt. And guys are going to get worn down. So when are those young guys going to have to play? Well, more than likely, they're going to be playing at the end of the season when games count. So this is why McCarthy does what he does. And... To get 233 snaps, including you know, 170 from a bunch of guys who didn't play at all last year, can only pay dividends down the year because, I mean, look, Clark's going to play a lot throughout the year and Martinez is going to play a lot. But how about Bryce? I mean, is Kentrell Bryce going to become a key player down the, down the stretch? Is, are they going to need more of Dean Lowry? You know, is you know, Josh Hawkins going to have to play some or, you know, going, going down the list? To get these young guys ready for the games that might matter in December, you know these these reps right now are priceless. So, the defense struggle at times on Sunday, yeah, but they're going to be better for it. And sometimes you got to take your lumps and, and go through some growing pains to get to what you, to uh, to go where you want to go. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. On the fourth down, that would be our coveted bi-week awards. That's why we're handing out awards after a whopping three games of the season. And we did defense yesterday. Today is the offense. 
The MVP of the offense is a tie. Left tackle David Bakhtiari, right guard TJ Lang. According to Pro Football Focus, Bakhtiari is their 10th ranked offensive tackle. And in a position where pass protection is at a premium, he's allowed one sack, and that was against Everson Griffin. And a total of three pressures. He was tremendous against Jacksonville in week one and uh, dominant against Detroit here in week three as well. So after a great start, earning his uh, gigantic paycheck. And right card TJ Lang, no sacks, one holding penalty, and his typical stellar run blocking. He really is the, the veteran leader of that group. And, um, you know, he, he played really well against Detroit, even though he was questionable with a hip injury, which was bothering him during the game. The biggest disappointment through two games is... Running back, James Starks, 0.8 yards per carry. If there's one little tiny silver lining that would be in his dozen carries, he hasn't fumbled yet. He had five fumbles last year. So he's off to a, a rough start, a minimal amount of opportunities, though, but still not a good start there. And wide receiver, Devontae Adams, yeah, he's got two touchdowns, including one last week, but he's caught just 50% of his passes and 6.19 yards per target. That's uh, toward the bottom of the NFL through, again, three games, so... And, of course, the, the fumble at Minnesota, too. And finally, last and least, the biggest surprise. Envelope, please. Oh, it's a tough envelope. I can't get it to go. There we go. That would be wide receiver Jared Aberderis, who had a tremendous training camp, a good preseason, probably made as many plays as anybody, outside of Devontae Adams, curiously enough, um, in, in training camp, through three games, one catch, eight yards, didn't play a single snap of offense against the Lions. You wonder if you might get more of a say in things without Jared Cook here for the for the next couple, two, three, four games with that high ankle sprain. But so far, Aberderis has done nothing, really got no opportunities, and that to me is the surprise. And the other surprise would be guard Lane Taylor. I mean, everybody was worried about him, and for good reason. I remember that we've talked about this before, the last preseason game against the Chiefs, two sacks and a holding penalty. Well, three regular season games in the books, no holding penalties, no sacks, no nothing on his ledger. He's uh, he's allowed some pressures and a couple hits here and there, but you know he's kept he's kept the uh, kept the negative plays to a minimum. So and he's you know he's the one thing he does. Everybody knew he was going to do well was run block, and he's done well there too. So so far so good for the Packers' new left guard. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Android app. And check me out at PackerReport.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, and have a great day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash list. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.